0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your
1: confidence journey today with Byte.
0: Fox 2 presents Hancock & Kelly.
1: Welcome to Hancock & Kelly here on Fox 2. On the right, although he'd rather beat a baseball game, is John Hancock. Good morning. And on the left probably rather be there with him. Michael Kelly. Good morning. Good to see you guys. And I'm John Brown. Big stories this week. Crime in St. Louis, Sharpie Gate, and a long town hall meeting on climate change. Seven hours of material we had to go through. So here's the best condensed version we can find.
2: Democratic candidates all have plans to make their campaigns heat up and they all have plans to make the planet cool down.
1: The existential threats that exist today relating to, first and foremost, climate
2: change. It's a problem Joe Biden thinks is worth at least $1.7 trillion tax dollars to convert the U.S. economy to clean energy by 2050. But other Democrats want to spend more to do it faster, like Bernie Sanders, who thinks he can do it years earlier by hiring millions, all for about $16.3 trillion. I have introduced the most comprehensive climate change program ever. Sanders released his own proposal, even though he co-sponsored the Senate's Green New Deal resolution, along with some of his competitors, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, and Cory Booker, whose own proposal costs $3 trillion. This climate crisis is going to first impact low-income communities. A new $10 trillion Kamala Harris climate plan carries a special focus on penalizing polluters.
0: The climate crisis, which is an existential threat to who we are
2: as a species. Elizabeth Warren's plan costs $3 trillion to confront the climate and corporations. The giant oil companies,
1: uh, the big polluters, and they get together and, in effect, say, wow, if Congress gets serious about climate change, that's going to bite into our bottom line.
2: But some candidates admit the commander-in-chief can only do so much. You're
1: not going to get anything done on climate change without
2: bringing the world together. Biden's global warming plan isn't as aggressive as other candidates. In fact, it's not even as aggressive as other former vice presidents who have sought higher office. That distinction belongs to Al Gore. Now, the Biden 2020 team hopes that doesn't become an inconvenient truth. In Portsmouth, New Hampshire, Peter Ducey, Fox News. John, you're up first on this one. Seven
1: hours. That was a long time. Not a lot of people watched it. No. Ratings weren't real good, but that doesn't matter. This is an important topic.
0: Well, it was crazy time. And and you've got Kamala Harris out there saying that people should eat less meat and the government's going to mandate that you can't eat meat all the time. You know, look at the issue ratings in any poll that you see. Climate change is somewhere around 8% is the most important issue for people. The focus, and by focus, I mean spending. You're talking about multiple trillions of dollars on this thing. When the truth of the matter is the United States uh, environment has cleaned up dramatically in the last two decades. We're moving in a good direction. We don't need to bankrupt the country with some Papa mammy skiing. Uh, and and if they want to keep harping on this and making this the focal point of their campaigns, they're going to reelect Donald Trump. But we also ought not
3: do. be putting our head in the sand and pretending like climate change isn't happening because it is the United States military is preparing for climate change and is spending billions of dollars to deal with that. I agree with you. A lot of the proposals we saw and a lot of the things that were talked about in that uh, the town hall. They were way out there and they, they, they wind up parsing out little pieces that you say Kamala Harris wants to regulate what you want to eat. People don't want to be told how to live their lives, but they also want to be able to make sure there's a world for their kids. And uh, we'll see what comes of this. I don't know that it's going to... Be the number one issue, but it's an issue that we're all going to have to deal out with as Republicans and Democrats
0: alike. Head over to Malaysia or China or India and look at the look at the stuff they're belching out into the into the ozone layer. And, and so, so they act you, bad, therefore we should act. What bad. I'm saying is, we're not going to solve the climate, whatever climate yes, issues we, exist out there. We're not going to solve. Well, this it. is the same the rationale you all
3: have on guns. It's the same rationale you have on <laughs> debt. What the heck? Let's just forget about the it. Who cares? Let's just bankrupt the country for nothing. You know, well, can't we just
1: make uh, Mexico pay for it, John? That seems to work well. All right. Some said President Trump actually paid for the town hall because it did expose some of the most radical beliefs from the Democrats, like regulating how much meat you can eat. Okay, now think about this. this I was thinking the, pol- the politics of this. You're doing this. Iowa, they're polling like crazy right now, and you have two people, one who says she wants to regulate how much meat you eat. The other says we'll put out some industries, we'll just put them out of business because it's not good for the environment. This is dangerous. FOR POLITICALLY WISE, ESPECIALLY WITH IOWA COMING UP SO SOON. WELL, you MAYBE, BUT IT'S ALSO AN ISSUE THAT MEANS A LOT IN THE
3: DEMOCRATIC PARTY. AND GOODNESS, REMEMBER SOME OF THE NUTTY STUFF THAT DONALD TRUMP, OH, CONTINUES TO SAY? YOU WOULD THINK THAT WOULD BE DANGEROUS. LOOK, PEOPLE WANT TO HEAR ABOUT THE ISSUES THAT THEY CARE ABOUT IN DEMOCRATIC PRIMARY BASE VOTERS want to hear about climate change because we're seeing the
0: effects on a daily basis in our communities i want to give some props to my buddy over here oh yeah he managed to get nutty stuff out i was very nervous <laughs> i was very nervous having talked
1: to him off the air that uh, so was, was well done kelly that's okay i have a seven second uh, yeah I mean, all right, I just, I just all right hit good. It. it knocks us off the air it's fine all right joe biden also making news this week for some campaign gaffes he recently told a story about a soldier mixed up the dates the times the places and then we found out the story never really happened. We all know Joe's always had a problem with gaps when speaking. Some Democratic sites even saying this is a real issue when it comes time to debate President Trump. The vice president responded that the errors in his stories are not relevant to presidential capabilities. His exact quote, the details are irrelevant in terms of decision-making. Michael, you're up first on this one. Well, it's a gaff, a gaffa I make them all the time, right? Yeah,
3: we all do. Okay. And Joe Biden has made a lot. I'm going to steal a line that my buddy John Hancock uses yeah. every time we talk about Donald Trump. And he says, you know, Donald Trump is a unique individual. Well, Joe Biden is a unique individual. He's been this way for three decades. We all have seen this uh, type of stuff that's happened from Joe Biden. It's good-natured gaffes that he's making. It's not uh, stuff that he's doing maliciously. He is going to be the best president that the United States ha- needs after Donald Trump. And maybe he'll have a gaff or two, but boy, won't it be nice to have steady leadership again?
0: You'll remember the re-election campaign of Ronald Reagan in 1984, and his age and his performance in that first debate was jarring, mm-hmm. very troubling. The problem that that Joe Biden has here is, is not just the gaffes, it's, it's the presentation, it's the mannerisms. It's, he, he is making his age an issue in this primary, and if he doesn't correct the ship, I think he's going to have I, a hard time pulling it out. And I think it's great, and
3: I love it that Republicans in particular want to sit here and parse... Joe Biden's behavior and the ways that he's behaved and how this is going to be a problem? Really? After the nonsense we've lived through this last week, after what we've been through for the last three years with Donald Trump, you all have the audacity to sit here and say, this is going to be an issue if he continues to behave well, like this? Oh, it is.
1: It is. Come on. <laughs> and after Home. all the debate about... More diversity, more everything. <laughs> We're gonna have two old white guys possibly running. We'll see. I don't think All right. so. Um, oh, interesting, there's a twist. All right, more stores announced changes to gun policies this week after recent mass shootings. Walmart announced earlier they're discontinuing sales of certain types of ammunition. Also requesting the customers no longer openly carry firearms in stores. Schnucks followed suit this week, along with Walgreens, CVS, and Kroger. Walmart decision to angered a lot of people, saying they'll no longer shop there because they caved to the gun control activist. John, your thoughts on this one and what Walmart and other stores are doing here, pulling back or at least saying don't carry it.
0: Well, they're making business decisions. They believe it is in their best business interest to ad- adopt this policy and it's a free country, uh, at least for now. I don't understand and- why so
1: many conservatives over so outraged. The- that's, that's their decision as a private company. They can yeah, do
0: this. I, 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 I think that. the outrage level is not quite as high as you would think. As Twitter There's still. a lack of leadership
3: happening on a national level, both in the White House and in Congress, to see corporate America happen to stand up and lead. Of course, Republicans don't like leaders. Corporate America's leading. They're listening to what their uh, customers are saying. Eighty percent of us want common-sense gun reform. They're going to bring it even if the leaders
1: won't. Talk talked to a big legal buddy this week. He says, uh, call it liability. If something happens in your store and you didn't take action, yeah, they're going to come after it's you. The it's a business Right. There you have it. Leadership. Right. Still to come on Hancock & Kelly, we're going to talk about the hurricane. All right, we've got a couple of maps here, right? Yeah, they're a little bit different. You can see the sharpie marks. What's the deal with the maps? And Is this really worth a five, six, seven-day story?
0: To hear more, listen to the podcast. Just search for
1: Hadcock and Kelly. All right, our legal team asked me to read this disclaimer. First of all, this may be one of the dumbest stories <laughs> in the history of politics on this show. Okay. Are we there good? Go. We can yeah. move on. Okay. Not because of what it is, but is it really necessary on so many levels? Let's talk Gate. This all started when the president said that Hurricane Dorian might reach Alabama. It wasn't actually predicted to do that, but he said it, so that should have been the end of the story, right? Then days later, he shows a map with a new cone of uncertainty drawn in Sharpie. You see it there on the left. The actual cone of uncertainty, from the weather folks, and a little Sharpie mark to show Alabama in the target zone. Okay, this went on for five days, all the bickering with all sorts of explanations for what happened, how the map was altered, that an intern had a Sharpie and was doodling, to why the president thought Alabama was a possible target. So, guys, again, I don't know well, your thoughts on this story, first of all, John, and how the media covered it. This this should have been a one-day, hey, I made a mistake, and you move on. Instead, it's now seven, six or seven days later.
0: Well, there's two ways to look at this. One mm-hmm. way is that the president it just can't admit that he's been wrong about something, and so he's going to prosecute that case to the end. That's one way of looking at it. Another way of looking at it is Donald Trump is a master of the art of diversion. And <clears throat> taking a story, nothing story like this, and driving it for five days, it, it, it was either really bad politics on Donald Trump's part or... It was brilliant, and only time will tell. Yeah, uh, But there, make no mistake, this is a story because of Donald Trump wanting it True. to be a story.
3: And a lot of people are blaming it, oh, the media is driving this story. No, the president was the one who then brought him into the Oval Office to sit and show it. And he says, see, I knew what I'm And then even this week, at the end of this week, he was tweeting about Alabama. It may be a stroke of brilliance, but at the same time, you have to wonder, for all those Trump supporters out there who think this guy's so great, what is going on? Why is it that this man can't be wrong on something? Why is it that he's making stuff up and doing a sharpie? I mean, doesn't that bring anybody any pause that this is the strongest human, the most important human being on the planet? He has his finger on the button, and this is what he's
0: focused on. Haven't folks? we all?
1: Haven't we all taken a sharpie to a weather
0: map? <laughs> I mean, well,
1: really? You know, I, I, would th- I think back about when I got grades, yeah. right, and it says F, and I would take a bigger crayon and do hey, <laughs> yeah. and then the kind of never yeah, worked. That's, but I was five, right? Again, so if something like this happens to you, did you really say Alabama would be like, did I? I okay, I'm in Mississippi, probably Georgia. Thank goodness they're in the clear, but we'll continue. Yeah. But it doesn't end that way. I mean, that's what most people would do, I would think.
3: Right? Yeah, but it, as a result, we're not talking about the fact that he diverted billions of dollars from the Pentagon to pay for the wall that Mexico was gonna pay for we're not talking about a lot of the issues that are problematic for the president so maybe it is a stroke of genius on his part to act like
1: an idiot and by the way and so of course you have to put the media wrinkle in this I think we also have what CNN did this week when they put up the maps here um they had Alabama, right there. You can see it. You see Georgia, right, and then you see Mississippi. And okay, they mixed them up too. So, well, the one thing we know for <laughs> sure is that the president didn't get so, that information from CNN. Right. So they got in the wrong uh, place. Now, in their defense, I mean, even the press secretary didn't hold a press conference, but she did say, "Look, CNN got it wrong too." And they said, "Well, yeah, we admitted we made a mistake and we moved on. You guys should try it or hold a press conference." So, right. all right, you got that. Since we're talking media in general, let's talk comedy. Political correctness paralyzing Hollywood and even top-notch comedians like Dave Chappelle are caught in the middle. Chappelle is taking heat for telling some jokes on the new Netflix special where he's accused of going too far on the Me Too movement jokes. Even some sexist uh, and uh, homophobic language, they say. Then came the protest calls, calls for the show to be pulled. It's not at this point. Chappelle says this is the worst time ever to be a celebrity. Everyone is doomed. Other comedians say they don't even go to college campuses anymore because they'll label you with every PC term in the book and ruin your career. Have we gotten to the point, Michael, where we can't even laugh at ourselves anymore?
3: I'm worried about that. Look, comedians are simply that. They're comedians. They're people who are supposed to come up with satire. And by the way, most comedy is based in discomfort. Right. And clearly, a lot of what he was going with is the uncomfortable topic, stuff that maybe at the dinner table can't be talked that way, but can be done by a comedian. This is nuts. I watched this special. I thought it was funny. I didn't think that he was pushing
1: some extremist agenda. It was humor. That's all it is, is humor. Well, John, people say, well, you wouldn't understand. You're not one of those people. Uh, I grew up in the Ozarks with a family tree that looks like this, right? Yeah. Very few branches. I've heard all... I think it's funny, right? We laugh at yourself. Yeah, okay. So she was a cousin. Okay. Right? Well, I mean, everybody I mean, gets poked fun at. You have to be able to say, yeah, that's probably a little true. Yeah, I mean, And it's ridiculous.
0: It's, everybody's offended about everything. Everybody gets butthurt every time somebody says or does something. And, you know, it's terrible. It's it's cultural, it's destroying us culturally. You know, being able to laugh and having the, the ability to laugh at yourself and your circumstances and your condition that's part of being a human being. And this political correct stuff is, well, is killing us. And he's not running for
1: office. He's a comedian. Right. Right. Okay, here's the disconnect. I think, you know, I think most people out there are probably thinking, yeah, I love comedy. I, you know, I'll laugh at myself. On the site Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 30% positive rating by the critics, right? The people in the know, 30%. The audience is now giving the show a 99% approval. So most people love the show. The critics, the ones who we often read about, don't. Do you think we're giving them too much power or credibility? Well, who knows? They, Hancock, I think, would argue, well, those are just the intellectual elites. And on this one, having watched that special, I would agree with them. All <laughs> All right. I'm with the people. Hey, we, got, yeah. we got the team together. All yeah. right, we'll move on then. Still to come on Hancock and Kelly, yet again, as we were putting this show together, crime in St. Louis kept becoming the top topic. From inappropriate tweets from city leaders to protesters jumping to conclusions to bad cops on the force, if we don't fix the problem soon, are we in big, big trouble? Welcome back to Hancock and Kelly. I hate every week that we put the show together that it's got to be a discussion about too many people being shot and killed in St. Louis, right? But that's where we are. So I'm going to set up this story. It'll explain the discussion. St. Louis City Police say they killed 28-year-old Cortez Shepherd after a struggle over a gun, all while a 7-year-old girl was nearby. Chief Hayden says two officers spotted a lot of people around the vehicle on Garfield. When officers approached, they say they discovered marijuana and narcotics on Shepherd's lap. The chief then says it turned violent when the officer tried to arrest him.
0: Uh, The partner officer notices that there's a gun that the person is trying to remove from his pocket, uh, at which time the officer disengages and fires one shot. Uh, This shot strikes the suspect in the the chest. Uh, The officers, uh, one of the officers in the area tries to do uh, first aid until the arrival of EMS. The uh, suspect is taken to an area hospital Uh, He has since been pronounced deceased, but there was one shot fired. All
1: right, The kid was there because the mom tells us she didn't want to leave her child at home when they went to pick up Cortez, all right? Alderwoman and now Senate candidate Megan Green tweeted this out during the early part of the investigation. She writes, the circuit attorney says she won't prosecute marijuana possession under 100 grams, and she's right. This is the reason I proposed BB 180, because our police also need to be instructed to abide by these rules. This is a waste of police resources. This interaction never should have happened. The circuit attorney then tweeted back, exactly. Okay, guys, so let's talk first of all about the Alder woman here. Um, that's assuming the police know what you're getting into to say, well, if it's 100 grams, it never should have happened. When cops come up to a car like this and see a bunch of people, they have no idea what's going on. They're not psychic, right? So." Where do you want to start with this here, Michael? You're well, I mean,
3: it's, it's frustrating, and, and, and the accusations coming from, whether it be alderman or the implication that comes from the prosecutor that the cop was there doing the wrong thing is the part that's most frustrating to me. So we've gotten to a place now where the benefit of the doubt is always against the police officer, and there's not a human being watching this TV show or the three of us who don't need police in our lives. This particular situation, man had gun, he had marijuana maybe shouldn't have been enforced who knows that doesn't keep the officer from showing up the fact that there was a seven-year-old there alone ought to be what concerns us and then if there's a gun present i mean to use this idea that we shouldn't be enforcing marijuana as a reason that this interaction shouldn't have taken place i have a problem with that particularly when there was a seven-year-old there when a drug deal was going down
0: this is everything that's wrong here uh, you know, you can talk about your gun control and blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, you enforce the law, okay? And the police enforce the law. The prosecutor should enforce the law. Here you got it. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. There's a kid in the car. There's a drug deal in progress. And the police show up to investigate appropriately, proper. The guy's struggling for a gun, and the officer shoots him. Now, to, to have elected officials criticize the police in a situation like that is just I, I don't even have words. This is so wrong, and and if we're going to get serious about the crime in this town, we better get serious about prosecuting criminals, particularly those that are using handguns in the commission of a crime. And, you know, we have a real
3: regional issue that's going on here as it relates to policing. The fact that, uh, that there's elected officials and, and media that can feel like they can just go out after the cops, I get it. There are bad actors that are police officers, and they should be dealt with to the fullest extent of the law. But the idea that we're going to look at the cop as the bad guy first always, that's only going to make this situation worse for all of us. We all need the police in our life. I'm very worried about this because there's... Thank God there are these men and women who are willing to put their lives on the line because we've all had to call them at one time or another, and it's
1: typically not our best day. And there will be a lot of people who agree about the 100 grams, right? Don't even prosecute it. But that doesn't—that can't deter the police from investigating right. Right? because you don't know what you'll find. And in this case, they found a lot.
0: Uh, they did find a lot. They found a guy that had an illegal gun. He was making a
1: drug deal. He's got a kid in the car.
0: I mean, a multiple
1: felonies going on there. All right, so we're going to talk more about that probably in weeks to come, sadly, again. All right, still to come on Hancock & Kelly, it is time for their final thoughts. Buckle in, about to happen. All right, as always, time for final thoughts. Michael Kelly got the short straw today. That means he's up first. You go, sir. I'm
3: really confused. The governor of the state of Missouri is having a special session that he's called to deal with a a couple of people in the state of Missouri who want to be able to sell cars, etc., and be able to apply that to their tax thing. 13 babies have died on the streets of St. Louis. The mayor, the faith community have pled with Governor Parson to do something as it relates to crime and guns in the city of St. Louis. Don't have time for those, baby. Only have time for the special interest.
0: All right, you're up, sir. Special session's not going to solve that problem. But Brown, yes. you know I like to predict things. Oh, yes, you do. And you may recall it was months ago. Let's go to the tape. Yep. Over here. Months you're sometimes ago. Sometimes right too. That's months good. ago, I was saying how the Cardinals were going to win the division and make it to the playoffs. I've been predicting. Uh, I've been predicting the finish to the <laughs> season for first, months Cordial. and months and months. 2007. Oh, well,
1: this, you yeah, said yeah. so. You go way back. Big news. <laughs> they're, the, they're the hot team
0: going into October, Brown. We're going to have a Stanley Cup and a World Series trophy right here in what. downtown St. Louis.
1: Yeah, and the Cardinals are going worst to first, but they were down a long ways. Let's not forget how Body bad they low. were.
0: They were mighty low.
1: There we go. All right. Let's all hope. All right. Thanks so much for watching Hancock & Kelly. If you missed any part of the show, download it on your smartphone. Search out Hancock or Kelly. Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace is next. We'll see you back here next Sunday.